Turn to 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 5. 2 Samuel chapter 5 and verse 5. We are continuing our series today. Part 5 of our series, Hebron, a new phase of ministry. And we're going to do some today. I, uh, the Lord said, make sure you have it done by the end of the year. So thank God I have one more Sunday <laughs> outside and, and not counting next Sunday because that's Christmas. So the 29th, I'm going to finish some stuff up. Now on the 29th, I'm going to share specifically the last part of my message is specifically what God said to me during our trip to South Korea. Because he said a number of things to me there, uh, some of which I may not share publicly yet, but some I certainly will, and I'll share those on the 29th. And uh, I also want to show you a little short video clip of uh, the prayer convention on Friday night. Normally they're in a stadium that seats about 100,000 people, but they couldn't get the stadium booked on that on that trip. Normally they always do that, but the stadium wasn't available. So they had to go to a convention center. Uh, so, it, you know, it's not a stadium. It's an enclosed area with a roof. But uh, there were 30,000 people sitting there uh, in the convention center, and they were all praying together. And I heard the Holy Ghost when I was sitting there. I heard him say, uh, take a video. And I said, what for? Uh, he said, take a video so that your congregation can see what 30,000 looks like. Uh, now, the Lord said to me, if you'll be faithful with your core, which is 300, give or take, he said, you, if you believe me, that's if I believe him. And if you believe him, it's not going to happen if we don't believe him. Yeah. Yeah. He said, if you believe me, I'll give you a hundredfold harvest on your, on your core. Yeah. Wow. That was years ago. 300 times 100 is 30,000. Then, uh, then when he was talking to me about the mantle, and he said, how much did the mantle produce? The mantle that's on our church started on downtown Toronto was from Amy Simple McPherson. And she sent Willard Pierce up in 1917, and she said, take my anointing to Canada, because she's from southern Ontario. She said, I haven't forgotten about Canada. And, take, and he had, they had the largest on-record Canadian revival that has ever been recorded in Canada, down on Bond Street, at what they were going to call Angelus Temple North, because that was her church name in, uh, in L.A., but they instead called it Evangel Temple. And it was down on Bond Street. It burned down years later, but they had 15,000 bona fide converted with with like filling out cards, 15,000 born-again people in that move of God that happened over a six, seven-year period. And uh, praise God. And the Lord said to me when I was back in 16 or 15, he said to me, he said, if you'll believe me and if you'll be faithful. So that requires faith and faithfulness. He said, I'll give you double in the end days. I'll give you double what the mantle produced in its beginning days. So if you know what he produced in its beginning days, we have to know that number. But of course, the pastor that was of the Evangel Temple, the, 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 the uptown, you know, York Mills and Young Street, where I went to for 18 years, 16 years, whatever it was, that's where I had my, my childhood, and that's where I preached my first sermons, and Pastor Bud Williams and Pastor Anthony Dose were, were my mentors and my spiritual parents at that time. And so the pastor that was there, he left now, but he was there, Pastor Beasley, he was there around 2014-15. His father was the last pastor of the old Evangel Temple down on Bond Street. And so his father knew all about the revival. And God supernaturally, I didn't know that, but God supernaturally hooked us up for a meeting where he began to talk to me about that, that revival. And he knew all about the Amy Simple McPherson mantle and all that stuff. He, he's the one that taught me all that because his dad taught him because his dad was the last pastor of that evangel temple downtown. So the pastors would tell, when the new pastor would come, the old pastor would tell them, let me tell you the history of this church that started with Amy Simple McPherson. That, that, that was verbally told down through the, through the different pastor ranks. And his dad heard that because he was the last pastor. And of course, his dad taught him. And then ironically, he became the pastor of the Uptown Evangel Temple until just recently. I don't know who's there now, but he was there till just recently. And so he talked to me about that, that anointing, that mantle that she, that she brought to this, these shores. Remember how God started dealing with me because Dr. Dufresne saw that mantle coming? He saw it in the spirit, but he didn't know it had anything to do with Amy Simple. He had an open vision 20 years ago, and he saw a mantle come in a downtown church, and he saw a massive revival. Then he saw the mantle come uptown. Then he saw the mantle come to West Mississauga. Then he saw the mantle come in our church. Four churches have had that mantle. We're the last ones. And he, taught, he said that out loud publicly more than once, but then he didn't know anything about it. It wasn't until after his, de after his death, ironically. He died in 13. It wasn't until about 14, 2014, that I found out 
that what he saw in that open vision downtown Toronto was actually the Amy Simpleman McPherson anointing. And I think it's so unique and interesting that God, uh, there's something about Pastor Nancy connection with Amy Simple McPherson. And in fact, there's been prophecies years ago that a measure of that anointing on Amy would come on Pastor Nancy in the end days. And she is preparing for that because it takes faith and faithfulness. And she is doing both those things. And then God gave her Amy Simple McPherson's castle in Lake Elsinore, California that Amy lived in. Pastor Nancy lives there. God is very symbolic. God is very specific in his connection. And here my spiritual mother and my main supply has a direct spiritual connection to Amy Simple. And it was Amy Simple's mantle that came here that her husband, Dr. Saul, downtown and that pastor beasley confirmed that these different he didn't know about it going all the other churches he didn't know that because dr Dufresne saw that but he knew that a mantle had come down on that first church downtown i I don't know why i'm saying all that that wasn't part of my message today but i just want to i want to remind you that there is an assignment this is this is we're listen we're not better than any other church remember the day that that mantle came june 28th 2010 as I was driving home, and when I got home, do you remember Jenny after doctor had yelled at me in the back room? And he said, don't mess this up. God's been endeavoring to do something in the GTA for over 100 years, and pastors keep messing it up. Don't mess it up. And he told me what to do not to mess it up. And I believe uh, to the best of my ability, I have obeyed that, those points that he gave me. And that's why we're in this season. That's why Hebron is connected to the mantle. Because we've had a season of faithfulness and faith. And now what that divine assignment, that purpose on this church, what it's there for is now finally going to start to be realized. Do you understand? The mantle came on David Willie when he was with his papa and his brother's the guy tried, the prophet tried to give it to the brothers and God said, I'm not looking at the way you look. I'm not looking at the outside. I'm looking at the heart. Do you have any more sons, Jesse? Poor David wasn't even invited to the ceremony. Shows you what they thought of him. The youngest of the eight, eight brothers. He's out in the fields. But when he comes on over and he says, ah, the one whose hand of the Lord is on and he pours the oil on David. David had the mantle. He had the anointing long time ago. But did you notice that meant, uh, now I'm speaking, that's why, thank you, Holy Ghost. I'm learning to flow with the Holy Ghost, like we all are. That's why you had me start to talk about that, Lord. I wasn't planning on saying any of that, but I heard the Holy Ghost say, just talk about that. That's why, because he just spoke something to me that's fresh revelation that I did not know before. It wouldn't have happened if I hadn't talked about that mantle. But now, did you notice, this is what I just heard the Holy Spirit speak. Did he, I heard him say, son, did you notice that he had the mantle when, he was, when, he was, when, when they called him with his brothers? Yeah. And the prophet laid hands on him and anointed him with the kingly oil. Did you notice he had the mantle then? But did you notice the mantle did not produce fully until he sat down in Hebron? Yeah. 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 So if the mantle was producing to a measure because he'd play the instrument and those demons would leave the king. He fought Goliath and won. He was captain of the guard. Now he's running away. He's protected in the caves of Adullam. He's protected in Ziglag. He is favor with the quiche. The mantle is working to a measure, but the mantle, are you listening? Because I'm speaking by the spirit. I'm getting revelation as I'm talking to you. The mantle was not the purpose when he anointed him. It was not so he could have safety in Ziglag. It was not so he could kill Goliath. It was not so he could play the harp. All those were bonus during the preparation season. The reason the prophet anointed him 15 years before was to be king. The anointing came on him for kingship. The anointing did not come on him to kill Goliath. The anointing did not, it caused the Goliath death. It caused safety in, in, in caves of Adullam. It caused him to be a strong leader in the army. The mantle helped him, but the mantle's purpose was never for any of that. He didn't anoint him and say, be thou anointed the slayer of Goliath. He didn't say, be thou anointed, protect, but then his anointing protect you as you run for your life. He didn't say any of that. He said, be anointed king over Israel. The mantle, the anointing came on him to be king. But did you notice for 15 long years, what the amanta was given did not produce what it was given. Now, I've never seen that in all the many times I've meditated on this. I've never seen it quite like that before, Reverend Greg. That's fresh. See, the Holy Ghost just took out a fresh bun. Yeah. 
out of the oven. Have you ever had a hot bun? Yes. When I was with Pastor Rusin in Russia, he stopped at a bakery and they gave him, they handed me a loaf of bread at the back and I was supposed to share. <laughs> and the bread was so hot as I pulled it apart, you'd burn your fingers. The inside of the bread was so hot you couldn't touch it. Mm. Now that's the will of God, Reverend Greg. That's right. <laughs> and I did share small pieces with his sons, but I kept the kingly portion for myself. <laughs> This is a fresh bun right out of the oven. I've never quite seen that just that way before, the way he's just showed it to me as I'm preaching to you. He anointed him or the mantle came on him. Same thing at the beginning, which if you study the historical charts and calendars, it was 15 years earlier. The anointing came on him then for kingship, not for anything else. He was anointed king over Israel. But did you notice what the purpose of the anointing was for did not come to the forefront for 15 years because it takes preparation time. But then after 15 years, when he enters into Hebron, God has another anointing ceremony. Basically, remember the elders of Judah came down and they anointed him, the Bible says. And I've told you that already. Now that's where God said a fresh anointing is coming on this church in the Hebron season, which is 2020. But really, Greg, the anointing was already on him. But obviously God wanted to refresh his, refresh his memory. Say, listen, you were anointed to be king then, but all these years, the anointing that you knew was on you for something, but it never really fulfilled what it was on you for. And you might've got frustrated and said, but Lord, I'm, the anointing is on me to do this. Why aren't I doing that? Why am I doing all these other things? And I've got to be honest with you for a long time, Jenny, I've been saying, Lord, the anointing came on us for revival. What doctors saw the mantle come on us. It came on us for something. We're not seeing it. Where is it? If you've anointed us with a mantle, why isn't it working? I've asked God that so many times. He's never answered me, but he's answered me right now this morning. I've been asking him that question for years. He, who would have thought that on December the 15th at 1125 in the morning, God would answer me. But I just heard him answer me. He said, son, David felt the same way. The anointing, the mantle came on him for kingship and all those years, it didn't look like it was working. He was getting stuff done. The anointing was helping, but not for its purpose. So the anointing came on you with Dr. Dufresne. That, that mantle has come on you. That Amy Simple McPherson mantle has come on you. But for all these years, all these years, it started with Dr. Dufresne in Peru when he saw our church like an anthill. Then the, that was the private ceremony. The public ceremony was in 2010 when this roof disappeared and he saw the mantle come on. That's what happened 15 years ago. And just like David, a perfect parallel. He was probably thinking for many years, this is not working. You gave me the anointing to be the king, not to be hiding in a cave. Yet God said, be patient, boy. The, 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 the Bible says that the vision will not tarry. It will surely come to pass. Remember Habakkuk? It will surely come to pass. It shall not tarry. Wait for it if it tarries, but it will surely come. I bet you that he, he, Habakkuk lived after David, so he couldn't look up that scripture verse. But I bet you a similar thing had come into his heart. Just be patient, son. Just wait for it. The vision will surely, the mantle will surely, the anointing will surely come to pass. Just wait for it. Though it tarry, don't be discouraged. Wait for it. And he waited and he waited and he waited and he waited until finally after 15 years, God said, now. And he stepped into a new place called Hebron and he sat down on a throne. And that's when the mantle that was spoken of 15 years prior started to now actually work. And the mantle that God, that Dr. Dufresne saw in Peru and he saw come on our church a little bit later on, that the purpose of that mantle, the purpose of that anointing, we have not seen fulfilled. But we're in good company because if God made David wait, God can certainly make us wait. Because it's a season of faithfulness. It's a season of preparation. It's a season of positioning. It's a season of right speaking. It's a season of showing honor for it. Do you understand? Now the time has come for that mental, that Amy Simple anointing to start to work. Now what it was spoken of in those days past, now in this new season of Hebron, we will begin to see, we will begin to see it start to happen. Amen. My God, hallelujah. hallelujah. You, you, don't, you don't maybe realize what you've witnessed this morning, but you've witnessed, whether you realize it or not, you've witnessed something very precious. 
because I've been asking God for years, Lord, why, why wouldn't it, I know that the Hebron and all this stuff, but why wouldn't it work all these years? Why is it not working all these years? I just heard it because I never equated that with David. I never saw that before. He would have been saying the same thing because that anointing came on him 15 years earlier and it wasn't for all the other stuff. It was for kingship, but it didn't work until the right timing. God may anoint you at a certain time, but it doesn't activate it until the right timing. And it's up to you whether that timing ever comes to pass. It's up to you if you're going to be faithful and honorable. And God said to me years ago, back in 16, 17, actually in 17, January 17, he said to me, and I have to be bold. I'm not, I'm not going to cower down. I'm not going to say names, but I'm going to be bold. He said, you want to know why the, why the mantle didn't work in the other churches? And I said, yes, sir. He said, well, for the first, the downtown church was one thing, but the uptown church where, where I was a part of for all those years, why was I a part of it? Why did I long to come to the church, like I said, when Randy Greer was here after school? The mantle was drawing me. I didn't even know it. I just wanted to be around where it was. I didn't even know why. I never felt that in any other church. But when I was at Evangel, I wanted to be there. Do you know why it didn't work there? God told me. He said, because they didn't know about it. If you don't know something, it can't work for you. And he said, they never had the prophet come. And Dr. Dufresne always told me while he was alive, I don't know what the word is, but God has told me for years, I have a prophetic, years ago, he said, I had a prophetic word for Evangel Temple and I was, God would not reveal it to me until I stood in the pulpit. And he said, they refused to invite me and I could never give it. He didn't know what it was, but I know what it was because in 2017, God told me. He said, the word doctor was referring to was about the mantle. But because they wouldn't have him, see, it matters who you have in your pulpit. And then that other church in West Mississauga where I also worked and served and that was my home church. See, I was around the mantle again. Yes. See, David was around, he was around Saul too. <laughs> Sometimes God puts you around people that had the mantle, but do you understand? Yes. It's amazing, the parallels. And the Lord said, you want to know why that church didn't, didn't work for them? That church in Wissasaga. <laughs> because I said, Lord, why? He said, they knew it because they had Dr. Dufresne and that's when he had the first open vision and he saw the three moves and he saw it come on that church and he said, but the reason it didn't work is because they showed no honor for it. And it's true. They never all my years there, seven, eight years, I never once heard them talk about it. I never once heard them mention it. I never once heard them pray about it. I never heard once them preach about it. Yet Dr. Dufresne had an open vision in that church and saw it. If you're going to show dishonor for something, you don't deserve it. There's a lackadaisical, nonchalant, ridiculous attitude in some churches toward holy things of the Spirit, and God won't put up with it. You better act right, and you better talk right, or he'll take away what he gave you. And yeah, the church will keep going on until Jesus comes, but it'll never fulfill what they were called to fulfill. You say, who do you think you are to say that? I think I'm a man of God, and because God told me that, and I have a right to say it. Whether people like it or not, I have got no, I don't give a flying rip if you like it or not, or if anybody else likes it or not. I know the truth, and I'll stand before Jesus and give an account for my words. And we're certainly not better than anybody else, but when he gave us this anointing, we have, we have talked about it to the point where congregation members have asked me, Pastor, do you have to talk about it so much? And then I would go to God and say, Lord, are they right? Should I really, maybe I shouldn't be talking about it this much because I don't want to overdo it. Remember in that six years from 2010 to 16, the people would get upset with me for talking about it. Almost like I was being arrogant, like I thought I was better than somebody else. But every time I went back to God, see, I've got a humble heart. If, if somebody brings something to my attention, they could be right. So I would go back and I'd say, Lord Jesus, am I wrong here? And every time the Lord would say, hearken not to the voice of the people. They're carnal buckets, which is why they're saying that. You speak it and speak it much. I didn't realize I was in a qualification season. If I'd stopped talking about it, he would have taken it off me. I called Pastor Nancy and I said, people are complaining because I'm talking about the mental. And she said, oh, Pastor. Just ignore the people. They're in their head. They're not in their spirits. I'm telling you. I would call Dr. Dufresne, Pastor Dr. Dufresne. People are complaining about the mantle. They're, they're complaining that I'm talking about it. And doctor would say this, hmm, they're full of devils. That's all he'd say. That was his line. Hmm, they're full of devils. See, doctor is totally different to Pastor Nancy. Oh, Pastor, they're just in their head, not in their spirit. Hmm, full of devils. I like both equally. Yes. 
I got the pendulum on one hand and I got the pendulum on the other and I'm somewhere in the middle. I do a little grunt, maybe not as big of a grunt, and I do say you're full of devils, but not quite as aggressively. Remember, you get genetics from both your parents. That's why Quinn and Cole have brown hair and not blonde because I've got brown and Jenny's gonna have, they had blonde hair, I'd be questioning. I'd be questioning some things. I'd be questioning some things, Jennifer. But they look like you and they act like you, like little angels. Like little angels. I call those things that be not as though they are. I call them. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for revelation knowledge this morning. Thank you, Father. Oh, the mantle came on David too, but it didn't work for a long time because it wasn't the season. Oh, the mantle came on you a long time before, but it hasn't worked because it's not the right season. It's produced some things, but it has not produced what it's, that mantle vibrates in power. Now, I wasn't planning on saying this, but since we're just not doing anything that we're supposed to do this morning, I might as well just follow that prompting. I'm sure I'll get to my notes. I hope you didn't put any chicken in the oven because it will burn. <laughs> just kidding. Um, my, 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 my sister, my mother, no, my wife. I knew it was somebody in my life. It was my wife. My wife and my brother-in-law, her twin brother, Joey, had an experience some time ago, it was about two years ago, give or take. And they were walking and praying. And Joey had a divine supernatural experience. Do you remember that, Jenny? Yeah, I do. And uh, he could probably tell it better than me, but I'm going to just give a paraphrased version. God showed up to them where they were walking yeah. in, this, in this way. And it's never happened before or since. They were praying out in the Holy Ghost for the mantle. They were walking in a park, actually, and they were praying out the plan of God for the mantle. And they had a divine, Joey specifically, had a divine experience in that park. And he said the power of God came down, not on him, but beside him. And he said he doesn't know how, his spiritual things are very hard to explain in English sometimes, but the best he could explain it to me was, it was like God was showing me what the mantle was like. The mantle was like and he said it was like this thing descended which he knew represented he couldn't see it but it was like it was like I don't know how to say it in English but he said it was it would look it what it was like a large section here over to his side and it was he knew exactly where it began and ended and the Lord said to him that is the mantle now God is it's hard to say it in English but God was trying to explain something to him he said Craig, that, that force, that power, for whatever other word, you know, I don't know what other word to say it, it came down, it wasn't something in him or came on him, it, it said it's like it descended from heaven, and it hovered a few feet above the ground, and it was a certain section, I've never talked about it publicly, but I felt the Lord of the Lord say, you say that now, say certain things he doesn't want said, because the congregation can't handle it. But it was kind of like almost like hovering above the ground. It was like almost like a square, probably the size of, a, of an actual mantle. I don't know exactly the size. But it was there and it was, and he said it was the most bizarre and extreme and most powerful experience I've ever experienced in my life. And he said that power that I knew represented the mantle. God was giving him an example that his mind could grasp. It was vibrating with such power. And he said it was the kind of presence where if you tried to touch it, it would kill you. It was that kind of thing. He said the holiness was so beyond anything he's ever experienced. The perfection of truth and holiness and the reverential fear of God. It was like God almost was standing there, but it wasn't. It was, it was this mantle on our church, this anointing on our church. And he said it was hovering, it was like vibrating with power. And he said he dared not look at it, he dared not approach it, he dared, all they, all they could do was put their head down and begin to worship God. And God showed the two of you, uh, I'm paraphrasing, maybe you could share it another time, Jenny, and give, uh, with Joey and give more specifics. I'm just sharing the, the bit of it just because that's what the Lord wanted me to say today. But the Lord got over to them. This is the kind of power 
that's coming on Promise of Life Church. This is the kind of thing that you're going to experience. And of course, when they tell me that, I'm like, well, what are we waiting? We're waiting. But you see, I I didn't understand all about the timings and seasons of everything. But I'm telling you, I've never forgotten that, what he told me, because God gave them a supernatural insight into the tremendous power that was going to rest upon this congregation. And what my wife explained to me by interpretation of the Holy Ghost was the days are coming where that kind of power is going to hang over people in our church. Where there, you, you couldn't handle all of it, it would kill you. I mean, I'm serious when I'm saying that. I'm not just exaggerating. It was so powerful, it can kill you. It's like the perfection of God's holiness and power. Like Greer taught about, if if God even looked at them, they'd die. It's that kind of measure. We're not talking about just some little little flippant anointing. We're talking about a mantle that's different. And the Lord started revealing to my wife and my brother-in-law that a measure, you couldn't handle all of it. I can't, nobody can handle all of it. But a measure of that is going to be given to each person of this church in the days to come. Those that qualify by faithfulness and clean living. Because if you're not clean living, it'll kill you. Literally, you'll die young. That power will overwhelm you. But, it, but you're going to go into the highways and byways and people are going to stand in front of you and a measure of what they experienced is going to be on you and it's going to come on other people and they're going to fall on their knees. Like Jerry when he was in the glory and he went into the 7-Eleven and his face was shining. Another time he went into another store and the man was looking at a pornography magazine behind the counter and... Uh, and Jerry was paying for the milk and the man looked at it and said oh my god who are you your face is emanating light and he dropped the pornography magazine on the counter and fell on his knees and said who are you who are you I feel convicted of my sin and he led him to the born-again experience right there with the penthouse on on the on the thing (laughs) his light his face emanated light because he had been in a service and the glory of God showed up in that service I'm telling you, there's a season coming where a measure of this power is going to rest upon every person in this church. This is how we're going to see this move of God. I really believe it. It's not just going to be people showing up at the church, although it will. It's going to be you walking into a store and people look at you and they see something on you. They feel something about you. They can't explain it because they don't know what it is. They don't know how to explain it. Uh, but, but they fall. They fall to their ground. They start to physically shake. Who are you? Who are you? That's how we're going to get homosexuals. It's not going to be with picketing and signs. It's not going to be with mean-spirited, hate-filled preaching. It's going to be with the glory of God. And if a homosexual, a transgender, a lesbian stands in front of us with even a tiny thimble of that kind of glory and they stand us to the face, they deserve to go to hell and they will. But if their heart has anything in it that they want God, God don't care if... He cares, but he doesn't care. A lot of people are in sin. A lot of people are in sin. No sin's better than another. If a homosexual stands before him in sin, but something in them says, I want to know who God is. And they feel that glory around that person. And they fall on their knees. God will wipe that thing away faster than you can blink your eye. He will set them free from that demon faster than you can blink your eye. And they'll stand up a heterosexual normal male. Oh, yes. And this is a kind of preaching that must be preached, especially to Toronto. Yes. Amen. I read to some of my leaders lately, the scripture verse, there's many of them, but I read very clearly where Paul says, those that are effeminate, and if you study the, the, the definition, it means those that dress up as women, those that change themselves into a woman, will not inherit the kingdom of God. It says the next statement, those that are sodomites, those that are pedophiles, those that engage in same-sex activity, it says it right there, will not inherit the kingdom of God. And I said, Lord, how am I supposed to say this in a society that they think we're bigots? We're not. We're truth carriers. He said, don't say anything else than what Paul said. Don't engage. Don't, don't say your own words. Don't give them your opinion. Don't say anything other than if you are a sodomite, you will go to hell. Do it if you want. Be my guest. 
Have seven partners if you want. You're going to go to hell. My job as a preacher of righteousness like Noah is to tell you, if you turn from your wicked ways and repent to God, you will go to heaven. But if you don't and you withstand me to the face, enjoy your sin while you can, you will burn. And it's going to take that kind of flat talk. Because the Catholic Church has sent out an international thing last year that says hell does not exist. The Pope has sent out a thing to all priests all over the world. Hell does not exist and the condition of sin does no longer exist. Nobody ever now sins or doesn't sin and there is no such thing as hell. You can look it up online. I'm not making this up. The Pope has declared there is no thing as sin and there is no thing as hell. Let me tell you, there's very much a thing called sin and there's very much a thing called hell. And people are going to go there. And our job as preachers of righteousness is to lift up the light, hold the mirror of the word and say, you don't have to go to hell. You don't have to lose. You can turn your wicked ways. You can face God with a humble heart and his blood will cleanse you. But you have a short time to do it. And if you die before you've done it, you will, you will go. See, preachers have lost this of, because of a, a, a fear, a secret sensitive type of attitude. And a, what's that word when you don't want to offend anybody? Political correctness. As Dr. Sumra would say, full of devils. Because that's what political correctness is. Political correctness has sent thousands and millions of people to hell. People that are politically correct will stand before an almighty judge one day, Jesus, and he will say, do you know how many people are burning because of you? Well, Lord, I tried. No, you didn't try. You were politically correct. You made it so hard to understand. Like, like you got so many words, flowery speech. And they walk away not really understanding what you were trying to say. And maybe you were trying to say the truth, but you clouded it with flowers. And it's better you just say it so that they can't say, I never heard. Do you understand? We love homosexuals. My wife's, some of her family members are homosexuals. We do not hate them. We do not mock them. We do not make jokes about them. We do not attack them. We do not encourage anybody to be hurtful to them. Our job, like any other sinner, doesn't matter what your sin is. Is to hold up the mirror of the word of God and say, change or you will be separated for eternity. And we have got to say it because this mantle on us, this, it's going to be so much power on individual people in the years to come. Greg, they're going to just walk into place and people are going to fall on their knees. I don't know if you hear what I'm saying. Some of you, you're going to have a measure of what Joey saw. It's going to hang over your head. It's going to come upon you like a, like a, like a cloak. And you're going to walk into places and without saying a word. This is, how, this is how God's going to do it. We are so in our brains and in our minds and our small thinking about evangelism. Yeah. This is the God kind of evangelism that no seminar can teach you. You'll walk into places and they'll say, who is that? Who is that? I feel something. I feel my sin. And they'll fall on their knees. And you'll say, get up, worship Jesus, don't worship me. I'm not here to condemn thee. I say the words of my Lord to you. Other, they have condemned thee, but I have not condemned thee. Jesus does not condemn thee. Rise up, repent, and sin no more. And we'll see, I believe, thousands get saved that way. Because this kind of mental that is coming into its era now, 15 years has been preparation like David, but finally he sat on a throne. Finally the mantle started working for him. I'm telling you, I'm speaking prophetically to you, we're coming into a season where the mantle now is going to start to work. Ah, I'm telling you, it's going to start to work. I'm not expecting the fullness of it in the first month because it's going to take some years. It's going to take some more dedication to get to the place where it's operating at full potential power. If it operated at full potential power, it would kill us. We're too carnal. We don't know really what prayer is about. We don't know enough about fasting. We don't know enough about distractions being erased and seeking after God. We don't know that our hearts are still old vessels, wineskins. If he poured that kind of power... 
we wouldn't be able to take it. But as we seek God and the new wineskin comes and our hearts enlarge and we're able to handle more of the glory, I'm telling you what they saw in that park. In that, I wish it had been me, Lord. I wish you had given me that experience, but you gave it to them. But you gave it to two people I trust with my life. I trust them with my life. They would not lie to me. They have enough fear of God not to lie. And they said, Craig, you have never, the power was so strong we could barely stand. And God said, this is the mental. This is so holy. This is so powerful. You have no idea what is in this mental. And it's coming. And the world will marvel. And the sinners will fall. Some will gnash with their teeth. But I'm telling you, God said, when the persecution starts, so will the great hand of my deliverance and the great hand of my judgment. The days are coming back again where what you heard Randy preach about in August and what you heard him preach a little bit about this last week, the days of judgment are coming because this kind of mental requires it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That those people prayed in Argentina. If you read the book, Cry for Me, Argentina, you read about the price they paid for that revival. That's what we're, that's the kind of price we're going to have to pay. And then that kind of mantle that I'm talking about that is for us, a similar thing came on them. Now, when that thing starts to move, when a price is paid and the glory of God comes on the church that has paid the price, are you listening to me? The power level so rises that anybody that dares withstand God will drop dead because of judgment. And that's what happened with Ananias and Sapphira. They tried to withstand God in the presence of that kind of glory and they died. Herod in Acts chapter 12 tried to persecute the church amidst that kind of glory and the angel of the Lord, not a demon, an angel of the Lord stood beside him and struck him dead. So don't tell me that God doesn't judge people in the New Testament because Acts 12 says that God struck him dead. I know we have this doctrine that I adhere to. Well, you open the door, the devil comes, and we know that that is probably right in 99.9% of the cases, but there are extreme occasions, there are extreme examples where you will see you withstand the glory of God once a church has paid a price and the glory is on that church. It doesn't apply in the cases like today because we haven't paid the price. That's why you don't see it. But you see a church paying the price. And you see the glory like what my wife and brother-in-law saw. You see that hovering over a church and somebody dares stand up against us. God will strike them. He did it to Herod. He did it to his own church. Notice the Bible says judgment starts at the church first. That's why Ananias and Sapphira died before Herod died. He was a sinner. And in that Argentine revival, they paid such a price and the glory was so strong that the president's wife who was into witchcraft and occult tried to stop the revival. What was her name again? Eva Perone. Eva you can read about it. And the man of God stood up and said, you will die for trying to withstand the glory of God. And he even prophesied how she would die. You will be found pulling out your hair screaming. And they found her pulling out her hair screaming and dead in her, in her room. This is not a joke what I'm talking about. People, they don't, they, oh my God, my God, my God. I said to Randy at the restaurant, I, Randy said to me at the restaurant, he said to me, Craig, he said, you, we were talking about some of these things and he said, Craig, have you seen how dark society is? I said, yes, sir. He said, they look at God. They, who do you think you are? I'll take your rainbow and I'll make it my sodomite sign. Who do you think you are? You're nothing. You can't touch me. And Randy said, under the anointing, the fire of God came on him at the restaurant. And he said, God has put up with it. But the day is coming. He will no longer put up with it. He cannot allow this kind of rebellion to last. If he did, he is a liar. Because Sodom and Gomorrah got their portion. Old Testament people had judgment. Ananias and Sapphira got their portion. If you study history and if you study the Bible, other moves have seen the judgment. If God favors our generation more, he is untrue to his word. Because Acts 10.34 says he is no respecter of persons.
And Randy said in the restaurant to me, the fire of God on him, he said, God, he said, God is long suffering and he is, in, he is allowing society to insult him. But he's waiting. I said, sir, what is he waiting for? He said, he's waiting for me. He said, he's waiting for you. He said, he's waiting for promise of life. He said, because when the price is paid and the glory comes and then people try to withstand, he has to judge it. I don't know if you hear what I'm saying. This is, this is, we're coming into a whole brand new thing now. We're entering into a whole nother realm that none of us really know anything about. And it's going to take us, that's why God said it's going to take you some years in Hebron. Because Jerusalem represents that, that move of God. And Hebron, we have to get ready for this. We're not ready. You're not ready for that anointing to come. We're not ready. It's going to take us time to get the old wineskin out and the new wineskin in. It's going to take time paying a price. It's going to take time seeking God. It's going to take time getting sensitive to that anointing. It's going to take time. When the church pays a price, God says, this most precious thing that is so much power, you'd have no clue what is in this. Here, son, this is for your church. Use it wisely. And everybody gets a piece. Your life's different. You walk through the streets and people can't handle that kind of power. They've never felt it before. And if people try to withstand us at that point, not now, they get away with a lot of stuff right now. They try to withstand us at that point, they'll die. When Lester Sumner was at a very critical part in his ministry, three bankers withstood him and said, I will not give you the money. And, and the glory of God was on him in his ministry to do a certain assignment. And God said, speak to them. And he pointed his finger, Lester Sumrall, and he said, you, you, and you, you're all going to die within a year. And within a year, without having any sickness, they all dropped dead. The bank was very quick to give him the money after that. Now you say, well, that's mean. No, no, you don't understand. They withstood the glory. I'm not just talking about the presence. I'm talking about the glory. The glory is another story from the presence. Ruslan said, would you like to go to the graveyard? The pastor in Russia. Why would I go to the graveyard? He says, I'd like to show you the graves. I said, just tell me about the graves. I don't really want to go. That's kind of creepy. He says, if I took you there, Pastor Craig, I would show you about 12 graves, every one of them. He said, every one of these men, I didn't go, but he showed me. He said, every one of these men tried to stop the glory of God in Russia. He said, God told me, lift up your voice and speak to them and warn them. If you try to withstand the church, you will die. Every one of them mocked him. Every one of them dropped dead. Twelve graves in the graveyard of those that had withstood the church in Russia. Politicians. High-ranking people. I'm not making this up. David, hold me, David Hogan told me this year in the back room, he said, tw- how many, 24? Twenty-six people over his 50-something years of ministry, have tried to withstand the glory of God in Mexico. He said, every time, see, God has to have his voice piece release it. You're not killing them. You're releasing the power of God. And he said, every time somebody would withstand me and try to withstand the glory, not just a little thing here or there, they're withstanding the glory. God would say, speak, son. God has to have his man speak. And he would say, repent or die. And 26 cases, they did not repent, 26 died. All within a short period of time. One of them lost his mind like Nebuchadnezzar, and they found him in the fields on all fours eating grass. Completely lost his mind because he tried to stop David Hogan preaching. And his men, he's the jefe, the men came up and shot him in the head because they, he's crazy. We're going to let him wander around and eat grass for the rest of his life? So they just shot him in the head and executed him. 26 people died. And when that lady tried to bring the gold dust nonsense in, she was, she was bringing error. That is a form of withstanding the glory. And he said, speak, son. And Randy said, I, Father, if they don't repent, remove them from the scene. And within seven days, she was dead. Within a year later, he was dead. What I, I'm saying all these stories to you to let you know, I'm not running to kill anybody. Okay? We are not, we have the love of God in our hearts. I'm talking about another angle to this. I'm talking about what they, what, they, what they experienced in that park in a supernatural moment of God's power. God allowed them to sense and feel just a tiny measure, a tiny percentage of what was available in this mantle. And the Lord showed them 
And they told me that a measure of that is coming upon every person on this church in the right time. Now, when they, God revealed that, I didn't know about the Hebron thing and all that stuff. But now I can see, ah, Lord, I see where this is going. Now I see David had it, but it took 15 years. Now I see, Father, all that time. The mantle came, the mantle came, but it's taken some time for us to get ready, even for the clock to start. Now the mental Jenny is coming into its full, and now it's going to start to work. You watch and see. It's not going to come to full measure in the first year or two or three or four. It's going to take time for us to get ready. But when we're ready, you better watch out. I feel sorry for the heathens that oppose us. They don't know who they're touching. They're not touching me. I'm nothing. I'm nobody. They're touching God. They're touching the glory of God, the God of the universe. When the God of the universe looks at our church and says, I like what I see. You're doing what my word says. You've turned aside like Moses. You're seeking my face. The price is being paid. Here, here's power. You don't even know what I'm giving you. It is so much greater than you could ever imagine. Here it is. And every person gets a measure of that. And then people try to withstand us. I feel sorry for them. Because now they're not just withstanding Craig Field or our board of directors or our, that's got nothing to do with it. They're withstanding God himself. And when people withstand God himself, God says enough. And Randy says they've been mocking him, Craig. They've been mocking. He said, in my nation, they mock him. I said, brother, in my nation, they probably mock him more. He said, God is putting up with it, but the day is coming. He won't put up with it anymore. The day is coming where he is going to judge and he's going to do it through his church, but he cannot do it through his church until judgment starts with the church. The church has to judge themselves lest they be judged. First Corinthians chapter 11, Ananias and Sapphira did not judge themselves and they were judged, but nobody has to be judged in the church if you judge yourself. That means watch what you watch, watch what you read, watch how you will honor God. Don't lie to the Holy Ghost. Be honorable. Do, pray, seek Him. Judge yourself. When the church judges themselves and a price is paid and the glory comes, now they start to preach under that kind of power. Now you'll see thousands give their heart to Jesus almost instantly like popcorn. And in that environment like Argentina, if any man dares to stand against us, they'll die. But it's in that environment we have not entered into that because we have not paid a price for that. That's the new wine being poured. We are still dealing with old wine because we're too carnal to handle it. So you say, Pastor Craig, what is this new season really going to, what is the changes really going to be? Uh, A lot of the changes you're not going to notice from January 1st to January 31st. You may not be able to tell any of the changes because you know why? The changes are in private. The changes are in your own private homes. The changes are in my private homes. The changes is turning the television off when you could watch it and go to pray. I don't mean extremism, but sometimes just follow what the Holy Ghost shows you to do. Whatever he tells you to do, do. I'm telling you, for me, I know it's going to require much more time on my face. It's going to require much more time waiting on him. It's going to require much more time seeking him. That's why God told me you're not going to travel as much this year because this year is not last year, 2020 he's referring to. There's more time required, son, for you to get on your face before me, for you to let, take up your cross, for me to deal a deep inner working in you, for me to take that, that, that flesh. I want you to crucify and nail that flesh to the tree. Uh, that's going to happen as you wait before me, as you fast and as you pray and as you study my word and as you give yourself. You may not see it all publicly, but there'll be a whole lot happening privately. Do you hear me? Now you can go on as business as usual. Randy said to it's not business as usual. It's certainly not for me, but you can keep going business as usual if you want. And you will be on the last or you'll be left behind. You'll be the last person in the long line or eventually you'll walk so slowly and we're all marching and eventually we'll be so far in the distance that you won't be able to see us. And then you'll fall away and you'll go to a good old dead Pentecostal church where they're not doing nothing. But if you keep pace with me and you start to let God work in you, let God work in you. Don't take my amount of praying. Figure out, God, what is mine? God, what is my assignment? God, how do you want me to pay the price? God, it's not going to be a scene as much outwardly at the beginning. It's going to be a deep inner working in our hearts.
Lord, what do you want me to do Monday to Saturday? What do you want me to do to pray? What do you want me to do to cry out to you? God will start to show you. And everybody that is hungry, everybody that wants it, there's going to be a dramatic inner change in people's hearts in 2020. And the anointing is going to be there to help you. You won't be doing it. It's not going to be so hard. It will be a bit hard on your flesh to begin with, but the anointing is going to be there to carry you, to help you. And you're going to do it with me. I declare it. You're going to do it with me. And a price is going to be paid. And a new wineskin will be found in us. And at the right time, when God says it's the right time, not when a man says it, God is going to say, now you're ready. That thing that your wife saw, I'm going to give it to you. It started... It started when you entered Hebron, but it was just the beginning, the beginning fringes of it. Now I want to give you the full course. Remember, the salad starts now, but the steak is coming. The steak is when he says, here it is. And when we're ready and that thing starts coming on us, I'm telling you, it's not going to, you, I don't know how to say it in English. I could say it in tongues. I can't say it in English. What you are used to will cease. You will still have a normal life and go shopping, but there are times where the lightnings of heaven will strike you and you'll be in the shoppings. You'll be doing your thing and the person will fall out by the power of God. I'm telling you that'll, that'll happen. The lady punching in the thing will be slain in the spirit and they'll have to call manager uh, and you'll say, don't worry, you don't need to call the ambulance. She's fine. She's just convicted of her sin. I'm telling you. See, Gloria, it's going to take that kind of power. It's not going to be this nonsense tracks. Please, please would you read my track about Jesus and if you're feeling, please come to my church. That is so old, that is so out of date. I'm not saying you can't carry a track with you, because I do, but it's not going to be tracks. It's going to be the glory of God that is on us where people say, all of my thought process for all of my life has now been I've been, I know what I believe. I've been trained by the atheists to believe this way. But I cannot put my finger, I cannot fathom what I see on you. What I see on you, I've never ever heard. I didn't even know it existed. Who are you? What is this that you have? I'm an atheist. I'm a Satanist. I'm a Baha'i. It all vanishes away. Who are you? Tell me what you have. I want it. It won't be an argument with Muslims. It won't be about this thing or the Quran and that thing. It will be the glory of God. When a Muslim beholds the glory, all their rhetoric goes out the window. A lady in our church was a Muslim on the roof with the Quran and the Bible. Who are you, God? Which book is right? And Jesus appeared to her in a beautiful black robe with gold trim. And he handed her a scroll with his own blood marking it. And he said, sit up and receive your Messiah. I'm I'm paraphrasing, but he said, I am your father. And she gave her heart to Jesus as a Muslim. Jesus appeared to her. She was a good heart. She didn't know which book was true. She's showing both books. Quran, Bible, help me. And Jesus comes. You know, the Muslims, they, I've seen some of the very rich ones, they wear these black garments. They seem to like that. That's part of their culture with gold trim. Jesus even picked a garment that was affiliated with that culture. And he spoke in perfect Farsi, whatever the language was, Arabic, whatever. He spoke in perfect to her. And appeared to her and she got born again. You see, that's Jesus appearing. But Taylor, when the glory of God shows up on somebody, the Muslim forgets about their Quran. The Muslim forgets about everything. All they want is, I don't know what it is that you've, if their heart's pure. I I don't know, I don't care what it is. I I don't know what it is. I I need that. Give that to me. Give that to me. I want that. Give that to me. Now, if their heart's not right, we walk away from them. Remember, we shake the dust. When the glory's here and people withstand us, just shake the dust. Uh, I feel sorry for you. Your eternity is dark. But there are going to be so many more people, Sandra, that want this than that don't want this. You know how I know that? Because God said, my house shall be full. The devil's not going to win and have more people in hell than are in heaven. If the devil has more people in hell than God has in heaven, it means he beat God. 
God didn't say my house will be half full. He said my house will be full. When we get to heaven, it's going to be full. And the greatest revival we have ever seen is coming. And the reason it hasn't come, the prophet gave you the answer, because of you. It's not send it, send it, send it. It's let us prepare vessels. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy to hold this, tried and true. With thanksgiving, I'll be a living, a living sanctuary, Lord, for you. The reason we haven't seen it is because we're carnal. We don't know about fasting. The reason David sees it, I know I've got to close at 12.15. The reason David sees it is because he fasts six months every year. <laughs> you know how hard it is to fast? <laughs> you know how hard it is to fast every other day? And I'm not telling you to do that. That's what David does. That doesn't mean that's what you should do. But David has to pay a price for 2,000 churches and a work spanning the globe. For David's price might be different to yours, Dan, but everyone, if they want the glory, has to pay a price. Praise God. The greatest miracles, the greatest things I've ever heard in my life happened in David's ministry. Where a, where a man comes, I'll end it with this, a man comes before, this has happened half a dozen times already, in these places he goes, in Pakistan and in different places, very dangerous places where the gospel is closed, a man comes, it's actually an angel, but he comes, he's glowing, he appears in the village, and he says, the glowing man is coming. Receive his words and you will receive eternal life. And many times the people are waiting. It happened in Africa, in Swaziland. And they were waiting, they were waiting, they were waiting for the glowing man to arrive. And then when David pulls up in the track and he gets up, God causes his face to glow with light. Physically, like, like Moses when he came down from the mountain. And they say, the glowing man. And he told me the people fall down and start to worship him. And he says, get up, get up, get up, don't worship me. But his face is emulating light. And they say, the glowing man is here. The glowing man is here. Tell us the words of eternal life. And he preaches, 100% get healed, 100% get saved, 100% get filled with the Holy Ghost. And they have revival. Now, if God can do that in Africa and Pakistan and India, why can't he do that here? Why can't somebody, why can't an angel go to somebody's home and say, go to this church, they will give you the words of life. You see, we are so used to evangelism being in our puny brain and with tracks. We have been so, so conditioned to have small thinking when it comes to evangelism. You have not taken into account the glory. You have not taken into account angelic aid. What we're coming into, brothers and sisters, is going to flip your wig three times over and then change its color and stick it back on your head. You came in brown, but you left blonde. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? And anybody that withstands us in that day, I feel sorry for them. Don't you worry about the secular world. Don't you worry about politicians. God knows, the, God knows how to take care of them. Don't you think about it. Don't you get discouraged when they mock your God. Turn up. In fact, stop listening to certain things on the television. I can't even watch live television almost anymore. I'm so grieved in my spirit. I almost can't watch the news. I'm not trying to tell you to be a hermit. You got to do with what, where you're at. But I'm telling you, the more spiritual you are, let me leave it at that. The more spiritual you are, you won't be able to watch the news. You won't be able to watch your talk shows. You won't be, because I'm telling you, the spirit of the world is so strong on those things. And when the more you get closer to God, none of that is in God. It almost like he cocoons you and your mind fights you and the devil says to you, you're being a hermit, you're being weird. You need to know what's happening in society. I know that thoughts come to me and I just, but I got to go with my inner witness. I got to go and I'm just grieved. I can't, I'm, I just can't, I'm grieved. I, I'm being cocooned because I have a purpose. God can't have any particle of gray. He can't have the world in me. I've got to be separated because when that kind of glory that my wife and brother-in-law saw, when that starts to come on us, even in a measure, it's going to, we have to be clean. We have to be holy. It's going to flow through us and it's going to revolutionize lives. If all of you decide to leave me, I know there's a few that will stay. Yes. And the few that will stay, we're going to do this and we're going to replace all of you anyway. You are replaceable. In God's heart, you're loved. In my heart, you're loved. I don't want you to leave, but if you decide to withstand this, it's okay. You can go find a good dead church. 
This is not, a, this is a live wire. There's a live wire here. It's going to shake the sin out of you. It's going to electrocute the flesh out of you. If you want it, run with me. If you don't want it, hit the road, Jack, and don't you come back. No more, no more, no more, no more. Because the live wire will electrocute you. It won't help you. It'll kill you if you, if you mistreat it, if you mishandle it. I'm telling you, we're entering into a new season. I don't believe for a second that anybody will leave because of my words. If I really did, I wouldn't say it. I don't believe people are going to leave. I believe the people that are here have something in their heart. They are so hungry. You are so sick and tired. Pardon the bad confession. Don't be my policeman. But I am so sick and tired of church as usual. I'm so sick and tired of seeing churches that have homosexuals on the front row. I'm so sick and tired of people that start with Def Leppard and Metallica in their worship. Now, we don't do that nonsense, but a lot of churches out there do to try to gather the lost. That's not the way you gather them. He said, how will we be separate from all the people on the earth? Lest your presence be with us. What separates us? Not by touching their system, not by singing their songs. What separates us is they feel the presence of a holy God and they see the glory of a holy God and they say, I want it or I hate it. If they say, I hate it, leave. If you try to withstand me, you'll die as you leave. If you say you want it, the blood of Jesus will wash whatever you've done, no matter how bad it is, in a microsecond, and we will gather you into the sheepfold, and the glory of God can be yours like it is ours. That's how we reach the world. It's not trying to be like the world. It's trying to be like God. And I know that you're with me. I know in my heart, I didn't even get to point one of my message, and I really needed today's sermon, because now I'm behind for December 29th. Oh, God. Oh, how am I going to do it, Lord? I'll have to go very quickly. Thank God nobody translates for me because they'd never be able to keep up. (laughs) Heavenly Father, I thank you. I heard you speak to me as I started to preach. As I said, turn to 2 Samuel 5, 5, I heard the word of the Lord say, talk about the mantle, son. I yielded to that, Father, instead of going my own way. And as a result, you spoke to me there about how David had the mantle, but it's, it didn't actually start working until he got to Hebron. You got the mantle with Amy's simple mantle, but it is not going to start working till this new season, but it's going to start working. And it's going to start with a deep inner working in the hearts of men. And when you're ready and the new wineskin has been set, oh, that mantle that your wife saw will be poured out upon you in full measure. It's starting next month, but it's only to a measure because you can only handle it because you're carnal. But you give it some time, I'll give it to you in full measure. And when that day comes, that's going to be your great Jerusalem day. That's when you're going to go from Hebron to Jerusalem and the outpouring of God will be there. And you'll see your whole idea of evangelism is so small-minded and skewed. In that day, you will see what I mean, son, when I say thousands can be saved in a day. Because the glory of God has a way to win souls like no human being has or ever could. And in that day, there will be persecution. And in that day, there will also be judgment. And in that day, there will also be great deliverance. Oh, in that day, the government will take notice of the church. In that day, people will fear the church like they did in the early days. Instead of them mocking us, we're nothing but a sideshow. They think we're pathetic. They joke. And that day they'll know the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is not to be messed with. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is God's, the holders of God's glory. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is a holy thing. Father, the days ahead of us are so explosive and so great and so overwhelming. I don't even know how to put it in English. I I know that they're coming. And I know, Lord, that this deep inner working must be done first. And that is what this next season of Hebron holds, a deep inner working of the Holy Ghost. I yield my vessel to you, Father. I yield, I lay my life upon the altar. I take up my cross and I follow you as the chief example in this church. I pray, Lord, that they wouldn't walk away, that they wouldn't be offended. Jesus, when you preached, eat my body and drink my blood, they didn't understand your words and they got offended and they left you. And Jesus, you looked at the 12 and you said, will you leave me also? And Peter said, where shall we go, Lord? 
You have the words of life. Lord, I know some people may be offended at my preaching like they were at Jesus's. And Lord, I don't want, but some may need to leave. I don't want them to, but they may need to leave because they misunderstand my heart like they misunderstood yours, Jesus. But I'm looking at the ones that are here and I'm saying, are you leaving me also? And I believe that they will answer me back, no, because this church has the words of life. We are a word and spirit church. We preach the Bible and under the anointing of the Holy Ghost and we're going to stay clean and we're going to stay holy and we're going to be prepared for the great day of the church is to come. Yes, the great day of the church is to come. Oh, the world has not seen the church, son. The world has not seen the church as it shall be. The great day of the church is to come. Oh, the church will rise. Up. Oh, the glory will exalt and elevate you. Oh, the world will behold this thing called the church. They had no idea what it was before. They mocked it and they ostracized it and they swept it to the left and to the right. But oh, the day will come, says the Lord, where the great day of the church will rise and the world will see you as I see you and the world will see you for who you are and the world will see the glory and those that want it will come by the thousands and those that don't will go by the thousands but either way they will be forced to make a decision they will be forced to make a decision oh the great days of the church are ahead and you enter into the beginning season of it now son you enter into the beginning season of it tell your people in your church to yield to my spirit To let him do a deep inner working in their hearts in the months to come. For the great day of the church is ahead. Thus saith the Lord God of hosts. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth I speak that forth father. That come right out of the throne of heaven, I'm telling you. The anointing on me is very unique this morning. It's different. It's different than I thought when I came in here. It's been on me differently all morning. And I heard that like a roar. I heard that like a storm rise up out of my spirit. The great day of the church is to come. The world has not seen the church in greatness. But they will see us. And they will fear. Not us, but the Lord. God can't do this kind of wonder with carnal vessels. It takes a working of holiness and consecration for him to pour this kind of power through us. So, Father, we yield in the season of Hebron to the deep inner workings of the Spirit. We yield, we choose to yield. And I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. I got the best church in the world. I'm convinced of it, Father. I've preached all over this planet. Nobody is like these people. They love you. They love me and Jenny. And they love your word. And they love your spirit. And they love it more than their flesh being, being stepped on or the correction or reproof or correction that it brings. They love it more than worrying about their toes being stepped on by the preacher. They love your word and they love your spirit more than anything. That's why you can use us, Father, because we've gathered a group of people that love you and that are willing to run with me. Oh, Father, so many have left over the last 11 years. Thousands have come and gone. But Lord, you've given me Abraham's mighty men, the 318 And I use my faith this year along with the congregation and the staff. And Lord, we've done what you've asked us to do. You said, I expect you to believe me for 318 by the end of the year. It is this number set aside for the end of Ziglag. We have done that and we have it, Father. See and behold this core that sits before you, Father. And now fall upon them, I pray. As January dawns, fall upon them, I pray. With a deep inner working of the Holy Ghost. Let them be transformed by your word and by your spirit into brand new. Lord, they're already saved, but all that old carnality and flesh, let it fall off them like weights. Let them be transformed into carriers of your glory that we can see the great day of the church, that they will participate in the great day of the church that is to come. And we thank you for it in the mighty name of Jesus.